Happy fraternal greetings and good wishes to all the brothers and the sisters who are listening to this talk, because there are some who are listening from elsewhere and there are some listening from here. To all the brothers and sisters, good wishes. I was speaking to you of the geometrician, the great architect of the universe, Vishwakarma. He presides over the plan of creation, the plan of involution, evolution, and he is said to be the all-seeing eye. He, the creation is conceived and delivered through him. 
ది గ్రేట్ ఆర్కిటెక్ట్ విశ్వకర్మ అండ్ హీ సెట్ ఫోర్త్ ది ప్రిన్సిపల్స్ ఆఫ్ యాక్షన్ ది ప్రిన్సిపల్ ఆఫ్ యాక్షన్ ఇన్ క్రియేషన్ ఈజ్ వాట్ ఈస్ కాల్డ్ ఇంపర్సనల్ యాక్షన్ ఇంపర్సనల్ యాక్షన్ మీనింగ్ వీ యాక్ట్ నాట్ ఫర్ అవర్ సెల్స్ బట్ ఫర్ ది జనరల్ గుడ్ దట్స్ ది లా దట్స్ ది బేసిక్ లా ఆఫ్ యాక్షన్ వీ లివ్ వీ ప్లాన్ వీ వర్క్ నాట్ ఫర్ అవర్ సెల్స్ బట్ బెనిఫిట్ ది సరౌండింగ్స్ దిస్ ఈస్ ది ఒరిజినల్ అండర్స్టాండింగ్ ఆఫ్ యాక్షన్ అండ్ క్రియేషన్ దట్ ఈస్ కాల్డ్ కర్మ until man gets impersonality in action he continues to create fate for himself anything that we do is meant for others not for us that is the basic no no religion speaks of it it only speaks of gaining more and more for ourselves <clears throat> but the law of nature includes the law of action which is impersonal action we live for others that is what the masters of wisdom demonstrate that they live for others the devas live for other beings of the creation the animals are living for us and for the plants the plants are living for the humans and for the animals the minerals are also living like that for others to live to live to work for others is what is called in the vedic terminology as yajna 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 is translated it's a poor translation into english as sacrifice yajna has many more dimensions than sacrifice it's not sacrifice actually Working for others is the principle by which you survive and enjoy the creation. Working for others. You survive well in creation. And you rejoice being in creation. This, is, this comes from the wisdom most high. So the great architect... he considered the principle of action as impersonal action what is it that he gains by doing all this that question doesn't arise with healthy beings what is it for me is a question that doesn't arise with a healthy enlightened being 
If it is for the benefit of others, that's good enough. What is it for the sun? What is it that the planets, the beings on the planets can offer the sun? We continuously receive from sun. He is the giver, isn't it? What is it we offer? We say we offer prayers. For what? <laughs> How do these prayers benefit him? We do prayers to, be, to get benefit from him, again for us. Our prayers are also for us. Our prayers are not offerings. We offer to receive. We offer little and try to receive more. This is how we are. But the beings of light, they walk into a different dimension, dimension of action. They live for others. They feel life is worthy of living when they are living for others. To live for oneself is, is never there in the creation. That means you are not trying to look for the fruits of your action. You are not trying to eat the fruits of your own action. The one, the one who eats the fruits of his action is called a pilferer in the scriptures. His son works for all of us and doesn't take anything from us. No fees is charged for sunlight. If you have to daily pay for sunlight. Likewise, the other planets, that's why they have become the regents. They have become the regents because they think of the whole, they think of the other, they think of the surroundings, they don't think of themselves. That the impersonal action is what Vishwakarma has originally laid down as the basis for action. And all species in creation, they live so, except the human. The human created fate to himself by trying, by deviating from this, from this impersonal action. In the morning, I was only saying the right action, right action. What is right action? What is wrong action? Right action is that action which benefits others. In that, no one see, the one who acts does not see what it is for him. This is what comes out to be an offering of oneself for others in terms of Whatever abilities he has, whatever abilities he has. If he have a body, use the body to help others. If he have senses, use the senses to help others. When you are given a mind, use your mind to help others. If you have intelligence, use the intelligence to help others. If you have skills, you use skills to others. If you have knowledge, you share that knowledge for others, with others. These are called yajñas. These are called yajñas. Yajñas means offering for the benefit of others. By this offering we unfold. By gathering we do not. A life of offering 
is a life that continuously unfolds. A life of a gathering is a life where one gets stuffed and gets suffocated and dies. That's why it is said, it is through offering you tend to be mortal. So this Vishwakarma, he, he gave the clue as to how to live in creation, be it dreamers, be it devas. Even if the angels, when they think of themselves, they fall. When they think of others, they continue to stay where they are. You see the falling stars, you know, fallen angels, fallen initiates. <clears throat> Why they fall? They fall when they think of themselves. So the universal action, which is an action which is meant for the others, not for oneself. Not for self, but for others. That's the beauty of the message coming from Vishwakarma, the great architect of the universe, who is seen as God by the masons. A true mason is one who keeps on offering to the surrounding life, not the one who wants to gain more and more degrees and more and more initiations. Initiations are the outcome of the intense offering that one continues to make because it unfolds from within. This unfoldment happens. There is a specific chapter dedicated in Bhagavad Gita for this yajna. Yajna. Whereas the Lord says, Right from your seventh year, learn to offer. The faculty to offer is more important than, to, than the faculty to gather. You help with your body because you have a body. You can help weaker beings, you can help other beings, you can help plants, you can help animals. This kind of work offering the body for others' benefit, offering the body for, offering the senses for others' benefit, offering the mind for others' benefit, offering food for others' benefit, food, offering materials for others' benefit, offer wisdom for others' benefit, Offer the science of pranayama for others' benefit. Offer the science of meditation for others' benefit. Offer the science of aligning with Brahman for others' benefit. Like that, twelve yajnas are mentioned in the, the fourth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, which is called Jnana Yoga. Meaning, it is through this practice you gain knowledge. Arjuna asks Krishna, how do I gain knowledge? Should I read books? Should I attend to seminars? Should I gather knowledge? 
That is how we do it. Krishna says, knowledge doesn't come that way. Knowledge is within you. As you offer, you unfold. As unfoldments happen from within, what remains is the light of knowledge in you. Within your salabroka, spinal column, there is all the knowledge stored, but you have piled many things over it, piled up. So when you let them away, then the knowledge comes from within. It unfolds from within, it reveals from within. This secret, as is contained in the fourth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, is what the plan or the plan of action of Vishwa Karma. So we, as long as we work for ourselves, we continue to create fate. When we continue to create fate, it is the fate that runs our life in cycles. Cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. Vishwa Karma he is the one who tells us, come out of this ignorance of acting for yourself. See how the planets are at work. See the, how the elements are at work. The elements are not working for them, those are the five elements. See how all other kingdoms are work, functioning. Be manly. Be manly, be brave to live for others. By that, you are taken care of by the universal plan. You join the universal plan and then you rejoice. But we worked out the contrary so for so many cycles. We feel that we cannot really do that. Krishna said, what you say is difficult to do. Krishna said, yes, it is difficult because you have formed a contrary habit. You create a new habit of offering, developing a sense of offering from within you. For example, in a group life, what best I can offer to this group should be my spirit. So should be your spirit. All those who participate here, if everyone hands over a bill for what they have done, that they make a recording, they offer a, they, they make out a bill, they are making a videograph, for that videography, Manola gives a bill, Ramala gives a bill to all those who are listening from elsewhere. Do we do that? We don't do that. <coughs> There is no billing system in nature. You go to the, a tree and take a, flower, a fruit or a flower from it. Along with the flower and fruit, no bill comes to you. Isn't it? It is, it's offering, the, the tree is offering and in turn the tree is offered by nature. As many fruits as the tree offers, so much a time it is receiving energy to again offer and again offer and again offer. How many seasons it offers fruits before it disappears? 
It is not eating its fruit. The cow does not drink its milk. I'm only... From time to time we have to see this dimension, whether we are with this dimension or not. In a little way at least. Not in a grand way, at least a little way. Krishna says, if you are in that mood of offering, it creates a new pattern, new cycle. It is not what you offer that is important, it is the spirit of offer. The spirit. The spirit with which you offer. There are persons who offer their body. We have stories. People who could offer their bodies. If it benefited others. There was a seer who offered his final column to a celestial to the celestial king, because he was told that this spinal column of that seer is so powerful that the celestial king would be invincible in his fight with the demon. So how to ask somebody's spinal column? If people come and ask us to give us our, give our spinal column, do we? Even the seeker would be very hesitant. Very hesitatingly. The celestial king asks a seer called Dadhichi. He smiles and said, after all, the spinal column, take it. That is the problem. I depart. I depart, you collect the spinal column, make your weapon and help the creation. We have, and there are stories where kings have... I told many stories about the dove and the... the vulture. The vulture was after the dove. And then the dove takes refuse under a king, a solar king. And the king keeps on offering equivalent flesh from the body equivalent weight. I'm not speaking the whole story because the, the main theme is different. Ultimately he had to offer his entire being for being eaten by the vulture to save the dove. Is, is it worth the game? For us it is not because we have a mind which has logic. But to him the spirit of offering. In Purusha Sutta we many times says Tasmat yajna sarvahutaha. Sarvahuta means all offering. All, you offer everything that you have. That's how people have gained light. All offering. That is what is meant by holocaust. It is wrongly named for a misdeed done in the twentieth century holocaust. Holocaust is nothing but sarvahuta yajna, meaning someone offers not only all that he has, but also offers himself. That is Vishwakarma. He says, the, if you wish to survive joyfully, blissfully in creation, 
live a life that is meant, that, that benefits others. A life is worthy when it benefits as many. A life is unworthy when it is only beneficial to oneself. And the entire nature gives that message. That action is called impersonal action. Not for me, but for others. Not for me, but for others. Do you wish to live? Do you wish to live? Everyone says, yes, I would, I wish to live. Now, you know, the, the, the spirit of a, a, a disciple or a master is, I wish to live as long as I am useful to the surroundings, not otherwise. When some utility is there for my being in the body, you retell me, if there is no use, better. Why should we live a, a useless life? We think usefulness is usefulness to self, but the wisdom says it is usefulness to the surrounding life. Usefulness to the surrounding life. If you are useful to a plant, you should live. If you are useful to some children, you should live. There is a purpose of living. When there is some utility flowing from you into the surroundings, that attitude, that spirit is not a personal action but an impersonal action. And initiates who demonstrate this impersonal action are the ones who joined the divine kingdom. The masters of wisdom are semi-human and semi-divine. So that they can relate to human, they, they also relate to the divine. They demonstrated such, such life where the individual karma gets neutralized and you join the universal karma. Thereafter there is no more fate to you. Fate is neutralized by adopting gradually from personality actions to impersonal action. Impersonal action. It is in this perspective you have to see how the initiates have demonstrated. So that dimension we have to nurture in us and ensure that it grows more and more and more in us, not worrying about ourselves all the time. We are worried about ourselves for so many things. If we do some here, we are worried, isn't it? If we lose some hair, we are worried. So what? Wise men don't care about their hair. They care about others more than caring for their hair. We, we are worried if our waistline is growing. Isn't it? Don't worry, you relate to... <laughs> you, you relate to help others. Worry not about your dieting and your waistline and your figure. This figure maximum stays 
ఫంక్షనల్ ఫర్ అబౌట్ ఎయిటీ వన్ ఇయర్స్ ఫంక్షనల్ వేర్ ఆఫ్టర్ ఇట్ మే లివ్ లైక్ ఎ క్యాబేజ్ సో యాజ్ దాక్ దిస్ సో వీ డోంట్ హ్యావ్ వీ డోంట్ హ్యావ్ టు వరీ అబౌట్ దిస్ క్యాబేజ్ వెన్ షూర్లీ ఇట్ హ్యాజ్ ఎ లైఫ్ స్పాన్ సో యూ హ్యావ్ టు మేక్ షూర్ దట్ యూ యూ డూ యాజ్ మెనీ యాక్ట్స్ ఆఫ్ గుడ్ విల్ యాజ్ మెనీ యాక్ట్స్ ఆఫ్ గుడ్ even if the angel of death is knocking at the door tell him wait a minute i have to do something for my some necessary things wait a minute let me complete my job so i'll come and i'll gladly come to you that's how they are stories even death waits if you are useful not to yourself not to yourself but to the surroundings that is the beauty of vishwakarma i just wanted to you know when you get to the last part of the talk not enough justice would be done to a concept which is which emerges in the very last minutes of the talk so i make sure that i pay enough respect to this lord paimandaris whose name is vishwakarma in sanskrit in vedic terminology which is nothing but the right angle which is created through passage of sun from 0 degrees aries to 30 degrees gemini 90 degrees by that the right actions should be formed in us and right action means impersonal action right action means yajna many times krishna tells arjuna in bhagavad gita yajnartham kuru karmane meaning let all your actions be in tune with this impersonality 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 is the key to liberation from being from elevating oneself from personality actions to impersonal actions that's how the seers do not believe in charging anything the socrates did not charge his students pythagoras did charge but gave it away he charged for a different purpose not for himself no teacher ever charged for teaching when jesus moved on the reverse river bank of jordan went on teaching the followers at the end of the day he did not hand over a bill for teaching teaching whether for mundane purposes or divine purposes has always been in tune with the law that you share the knowledge you have is no charging for the for teaching mundane education or occult education coaching giving food and handing over a bill is seen as a very poor act giving food and handing over a bill is seen as a very poor act till about 100 years ago 
There were no hotels. There were no hotels. If you go back in time, when a, when a stranger comes, he is given a shelter, he is offered food, he is given comfort and shelter. No bill is handed over. So also when someone is sick and you treat, no bill is given. That's the society which is wealthy. A society where education is not sold. A society where treatment, health treatment is not sold. A society where food is not sold. A society where selling and buying is at its bare minimum. That is the society which is golden. It's a golden society. It is by because each one is he keeps on offering his share of help and he keeps receiving from nature. The trust in nature is far higher than the trust in currency. That's why the masters of wisdom they say if you have this sense of offering, you walk into a very wealthy situation in the sense. As much as you respond to the surroundings, the surroundings also respond to you and there is no currency part. There is no currency involved. That is how yajna is conceived, that is how originally creation is conceived. To prepare a planet, how much it costs? And to transfer beings over there, how much? If everything is calculated in terms of dollars or Swiss francs, the system doesn't run. This dimension we we have forgotten long back, but that is what is needed for our liberation from the conditioned state in which we are. Since all surrounding us are working for themselves, we also get influenced by their energy and we also start working for ourselves. Then we are only cooking our own nemesis. As long as man is, is striving to work for himself and competing with others, this humanity is walking towards nemesis, dreaming about a golden age. That is what happens. Once a wise man, he was moving in a forest. He saw some tribals in the forest. He thought he should have. His attitude is to offer. He offered them education. He offered them knowledge. And they were living under trees. Living under trees, there were no houses. Houses for them. He built a huge house with their cooperation. He built the house and they were all looking at it. And then they hold a huge palace he built. They asked him who, to whom it belongs. So they all said it belongs to you. 
because they were nascent. Then he said, yes, but you also can live in it. Let all of us live in this. So they lived together in a house which was built by him. And they lived happily with the knowledge given by them, by him. And he said, I would uh, for a while go on a distant tour and come back after five years. Live according to the knowledge given. The moment the wise man disappeared, the tribals, they started making boundaries for their families within the house. Say there are about fifty families. Each family has taken to a part of the house and this, this is mine, this is mine. So they have divided the house. <clears throat> they divided the house and then their families grew and they were living in like in a pigeon hole. Fifty families in a palace, in a palace. There is already congestion because there have to be fifty kitchens instead of one kitchen. And hundred bathrooms, two bathrooms per, per family, hundred visitors' rooms, and then two hundred bedrooms. How many divisions you have to make of the whole building? And they were in calf, fighting with each other. So when the wise man came, he saw, he said, to whom does this house belong, he asked. All the fifty families, they said, it belongs to me, it belongs to me, it belongs to me. Before they said, it belongs to you. Now their understanding has gone, has, has taken a complete U-turn and it's an upset understanding. It's mine, they said. Before they said, it's yours, we are, you allowed us to live. Now they say, it is ours. There is no place for it. Then the wise man said, okay, who prepared these bricks? You prepared. So I take my bricks. He started taking out brick after brick. <laughs> so the house collapsed. And then once again they are left to their tribal life. So this is how a story is given to inform that uh, we tend to own up things. Own up Everything is, that is not wisdom. There is only one owner who shares everything with us. Who shares the five elements that, with which we are, our body is made, they are not ours. The five senses, the intelligences, they are not ours. The mind is nothing but Manu's presence in us. It's not ours. The buddhi is the light of sun shining in us. It's not ours. Nothing is ours. What is not ours? Where is the problem in sharing it with others? <laughs> you, you, our very existence is nothing but his existence as us. There is a meditation which we read. We, in His name we live. 
in his temple we live until he opens his eyes in us in his temple he lives in his name he lives in his name he moves as he opens his eyes in us so what is not ours we usurp to to ourselves as we are not satisfied we continue to usurp from all the surroundings so we are working out the contrary and we are looking for liberation that is the funniest aspect of the human funniest aspect of the human that we are we think we are working for liberation but we work the contrary it is like sitting on the branch of a tree and cutting off that branch from the tree sitting on the branch of a tree you cut off that very branch on which you are sitting <laughs> so wise are the humans of the 21st century <clears throat> and we think we are all very intelligent people etc etc i am more intelligent than others so this vishakarma concept kindly hold in you the, the regularly when you remember vishakarma the spirit of vishakarma the presence of vishakarma it gradually permeates into you and you feel it's unworthy to live my for myself let me join the grand geometrician let me join him he is demonstrating for the whole universe so let me join him so that my individual karma merges into universal karma individual karma is what we call fate universal karma is eternal and no free no there are no consequences that we suffer we are in a, a journey which is joyful which is free of hazards free of problems so that's where we have to regularly invoke the grand grand geometrician this grand geometrician is to be meditated upon in the month of gemini especially around the full moon hours he was when the novas prevailed they were there are there are traditions in india where groups related to vishwakarma there are there were traditions in greece where people related to pi mandris related to p see you were relating to them enables awakening of those principles in us when we don't relate to them those principles do not get awakened in us there's all the potential uh, in cosmic solar and planetary intelligences are embedded in us as we relate to them they get awakened as i said in the very first class when you walk into the into the house the house gets lighted the cerebral the cerebral spinal column which is our house as you walk into it it gets lighted when you don't walk into it it, it remains dark 
Likewise, when you relate to your cosmic intelligence, intelligence which is in the head, or a solar intelligence which is in the upper torso, or a planetary intelligence which is in the lower torso, by relating to them they get awakened. This is how we should understand. And a life of discipleship is a life of gradually aligning with Vishwakarma. The Lord Paimanders. By your trying to associate with the spirit of Vishwakarma, you are walking away from your individual karma. Your individual karma gradually merges into universal karma and the universal plan starts functioning through you. Universal plan starts functioning through you. You are not outside the plan anymore. You are inside the plan. The plan runs your life. You don't have to run it anymore. It's like you are getting into a, a train. Once you are into the train, the train runs for you. You don't have to run. Up to the train, railway station, you have to go. Isn't it? Once you are into the train, the train runs for you. Once you are into the flight, the flight flies you. You don't have to fly. Isn't it? Likewise, once you are into this, once you join this spirit of impersonal action, impersonal action, you are, the prophecy is fulfilled that you reach where you are supposed to reach finally. That's the beauty of the geometrician as he gives his presence in the month of Gemini. <coughs> the month of Gemini. This is one dimension of Gemini. And another dimension of Gemini is it, it, it has one leg in Aquarius, another leg in Libra. One leg in Libra, one leg in Aquarius. And if you look to the teachings of Master Jualkul, the sun in Libra, the sun in Gemini, he relates via Aquarius to Great Bear, via Libra to Pleiades. You may refer to esoteric astrology. Gemini, it's two legs. One is into Aquarius, one is into Libra. This is the triple air. The three airs of this Gemini is the mid-air. Aquarius is the spiritual air. Libra is the mundane air. Mundane means matter. Mother, and then Aquarius the father. So Great Bear the father, Pleiades the mother. He gave the Gemini gets the connection via Aquarius and the Libra, and he himself, Gemini son, he is connected to Sirius. There you get the clue why Master Sirius. 
గేవ్ ది ఇనిషియేషన్ డే ఇన్ ది మంత్ ఆఫ్ జమిని ట్వంటీ నైన్త్ మే ఫాల్స్ విత్ ఇన్ జమిని జమిని సన్ హాస్ కనెక్షన్ టు సిరియస్ యు కెన్ సీ దిస్ ఇన్ ఇసోట్రిక్ ఎస్టార్ జమిని సన్ ఈస్ కనెక్టెడ్ టు సిరియస్ సిరియస్ ఈస్ ది టీచర్ ఆఫ్ అవర్ సిస్టమ్ నాట్ ఓన్లీ అవర్ ప్లానెట్ ఫర్ దిస్ ఎంటైర్ సోలార్ సిస్టమ్ సిరియస్ ఈస్ ది లా ఈస్ ది టీచర్ he is the systemic teacher he is the guru for the solar system that is what we call the dark star or the tatraya so he is connected to that to the sirius system and he forms a triangle with pleiades and great bear that is what in a very subtle way presented and the title of the book acquired in master if you see the, the title page of acquired in master contains the triangle between sirius great bear and pleiades great bear is the father to our solar system pleiades is the mother to our so not only to our earth but to our solar system and sirius is the teacher to our solar system sun and gemini brings in energies from these three grand systems from these three grand systems such is the dimension of gemini therefore master cvv who received energies of synthesis into him to sirius it is from supra cosmic plane via varuna the one of the twin gods it reached sirius from sirius it reached via uranus into our system and master sivi we received it and he decided to distribute these energies once again in the month of gemini 29th may 29th may see when you when these intricacies are revealed you feel astounded and how in what synchronous uh, what a what kind of synchronization is there in the work of the masters who are as much scientific as they are mystic to us they are very scientific since we do not know these science we take them in a mystical fashion but gemini is the man through which it is worked out and these three star three three sun signs shall have to be related when we are with gemini in the at the top of the forehead you have the energies of aquarius and at the navel you have the energies of libra the two from libra to the top of the head you are connected by the energies of gemini which functions as the pulsating principle from solar plexus to the top of the head to the top of the forehead thereafter there is no pulsation it is permeation so this area from aquarius to libra 
is can be connected in us from the top of the forehead to libra can be consciously connected by the the, the space in between the two columns of gemini the space between the two columns of gemini it is from that's why we say this upward moving pulsation udana it starts from a point below the diaphragm and then moves upwards 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 and will be reach the top of the forehead thereafter it permeates the pulsation and that pulsating principle itself is gemini so this this is another dimension which i thought i should place before you in there are thousands of dimensions about every every sensation by relating to them consciously if you devote 15 20 minutes every day reading to the teachings of the great masters you get all this information so you have to meditate upon them not all that i speak is in the book something is in the book upon which you have developed by your regular relating to it so by doing so you enjoy your meditations in a much profound manner otherwise you are always in the same state like the potato <laughs> we say in india the potato meaning you place it somewhere it remains there till you move it again <laughs> Isn't it? We said, don't don't sit like a potato. We said, in the sense, let there be a, a, an evolution through relating to wisdom, relating to wisdom. So ultimately, I will also speak to you about the five. <laughs> They have been eluding us since. since day before evening hmm? jarasandha because he jarasandha he is relating to gemini the beauty of jarasandha is he is the fourth pranic principle which function in the column it is because of that the left and right are well united if there is no pranic principle functioning in the kalam there is no unity of all that which is we call the human system the human system is kept intact by it it is by the fourth air it is called udana prana udana prana so that is what jarasandha represents and he is one over he was one over by bhima bhima is the the permeating air called vyana vyana the all permeating air is the basis for its descent in a vertical manner it is from synthesis law of synthesis which is ever permeating all permeating there is the vertical descent as the law of attraction and repulsion up above there is 
synthesis, love synthesis. Down below there is the law of economy. The two are connected by a vertical column, which is, that column is represented by the law of attraction and repulsion. These three laws are mentioned very well in the treatise on cosmic science. You cannot segregate wisdom and make books and say that they are separate. <laughs> it's all one wisdom. They are all interpenetrating concepts. Up above the head, the top of the head is in synthesis. The law, law of synthesis prevails where all is included, nothing is excluded. Then there is the descent of the vertical law of Attraction and repulsion. There is an attraction towards material and a repulsion from material. Or attraction to spirit and repulsion to spirit. Either way it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. And then down under, it's all ruled by matters. So there is a law of economy. Meaning you are constricted in your Your energies are constricted and there is a circumscription around it. Within the circumscription you have to move. It is the Saturn ring. Saturn ring. Saturn prevails over Muladhara. Jupiter prevails over Sahasrara. So from that expansion to this contraction and then self-imposed limitation. Matter more and more matters when you gather in your mind. When mind is full of preoccupied with material things, you have you suffer many limitations. You get more and more conditioned. That is how the law of economy continues to condition you. For everything economy comes in the way. Isn't it? He wish to go to South America, to North America, to India, whenever there is an event. But what prevents you? The economy prevents you. The economy of time, the economy of money, <laughs> and the economy created by yourself developed life. It constraints you, the family constraints are there. Vocational constraints are there. Who, who developed the vocation? You developed it. That which you develop conditions. What kind of knowledge is it? What kind of knowledge is it that what we develop conditions us? It is supposed to serve us. The body you develop conditions you. The family you develop conditions you. The profession you develop conditions you. Everything conditions. That is how the material world is. Constricted. Ruled by the law of economy. That's why you have to move up from matter through the law of attraction repulsion. And then move so far away from this law of economy that you have. 
a great expanse, a great field of activity. For a serpent, the, it is only in the hole. The eagle has no limit in the sky. Imagine being in a snake hole. It is so constricted. You can't move like this. Isn't it? It's a snake hole. Imagine the sky. There is no limit. So from there to this there is a vertical descent and an ascent. The ascent and descent there is a prana that conducts. That is the fourth prana, udana prana. Madam Blavatsky speaks a lot about udana prana. A lot. Because it enables you to move up and experience the expanse. It enables you to move down to relate to smallest of things. Like an eagle. Like an eagle. But this prana, udana, emerges from vyana, the all-permeating prana. All-permeating prana. That's why Bhima is the most superior as Vyana, as Vyana prana, the permeating prana which is in the head. Jarasandha is the vertical. The pulsation that moves upwards, downwards, upwards, downwards. According to your awareness, it moves upwards or it moves downwards. <coughs> It conjoins the left and right in you. It keeps your system intact. It cannot be separated. The male-female principles in you are not... They are inseparable. So he... This is the principle. This principle is called Jara in scriptures. We have Zara. As some showrooms are named as Zara, Zara, Zara. It is the principle that binds. There the two pillars which you see on either side. For an occultist, they see the binding material, invisible binding principle that keeps the two pillars intact. That is what we are expected to see when we, we normally see this pillar or that pillar. But what is intended to be seen is to see through the pillar. Then you see the other side. Isn't it? In between the pillar there is the master and the mount. Not on the pillar, isn't it? <laughs> so to see in between is the knowledge which this prana gives. The fourth pulsation called Gudana. It gives the ability to see through. Nevertheless, it is subordinate to Vyana Prana, the all-permeating one. This Prana is emerges from what you call the equilibrium of inhalation and exhalation. Inhalation is called in Sanskrit Prana. Exhalation is called apana. Inhalation happens from the nostrils via the bridge of the nose 
into the windpipe and into the lungs up to the diaphragm. Inhalation. The area of operation of inhalation is from bridge of the nose, that is near the eyebrow, down up to the diaphragm. That is prana, inhalation. And then there is apana, which gives a thrust from within to cause exhalation. You cannot go on inhaling. It is alternated by exhaling, called apana. Prana and apana are the two other heroes. Prana and apana are the other two heroes. The two get neutralized when they find their equilibrium in them. As samana. Samana. So the samana prana, when you are into samana prana, are the 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 heart, pulsation in the heart. There is the, the, the exhalation principle, inhalation principle, they tend to be secondary and you do not perceive them as much when you perceive the pulsating principle. That is called pranayama. So inhalation and exhalation get neutralized in an equilibrating prana called samana. Samana, it gives birth to udana, the fourth prana. It culminates in vyana, which all, is all-permeating prana. So these are the five pranic principles. For them the boss is the vyana prana. Vyana. It is from vyana prana, the Vrana prana happens, samana prana happens, and from samana the inhalation, exhalation as prana, apana happen. That's how the scheme of the working of air in us. Working of air in us. This Vyana prana, which is all permeating, belongs to Aquarius. Aquarius contains the Vyana prana. That's where flying into higher planes is an aspect of Aquarius. Gemini conducts the vertical, the vertical, and also the pulsating aspect <coughs> up to the heart. Libra conducts inhalation, exhalation. Inhalation, exhalation. Inhalation, exhalation culminate into pulsation. Pulsation culminates into a spiralic ascent of the pulsation as Udana. And it culminates into all permeating air. This scheme is excellently presented in Mahabharata through the five heroes who are all born out of air, but of different air, of different air. The, the son of blind king who we call Duryodhana, he is apana prana, meaning the one which is below, below the death. That's why Bhima puts him off in the story by hitting him on the thigh, which is below the death. 
If you hit him anywhere else, he won't die. What does it mean? It is apana which functions in the lower, the strength of apana. Likewise, to put off jarasandha, he tears apart the vertical. That's how very mystically this Mahabharata is full of cosmogenesis, anthropogenesis, and complete presentation of the laws as are contained in all the four Vedas. But the beauty is, unless you know you have the keys, you cannot understand it. Wisdom is understood only through the keys, not otherwise. <coughs> not by plain reading of the language you get wisdom. You need the keys. You need the key of etymology. You need the key of astrology. You need the metrical key. You need the grammatical key. You need the key of cycles of time. And you also need the key of utterance. These are the six keys. All these keys are hidden in Jimri. That's the beauty of Jimri. Because it is the potential from which everything manifests thereafter. That's why as they speak, numbers are hidden in Jimini. Sound, color, symbol, the key to shapes, everything is hidden. To unfold this wisdom, you need the keys. Key of utterance. First of it, it's very important key. How do you speak? People don't know how to speak. They may think they are very civilized, but they use wrong words. A right word tends to be magnetic. A wrong word tends to be anti-magnetic. Anti-magnetic. How do you present your speech? Utterance. How do you formulate the sentence in you? When a thought is received, how to give it a language and how to present it is a science by itself. And how to receive thoughts of goodwill? Because science of utterance includes reception of the thoughts relating to the plan. As the thought appears, then you become an utterer to utter for. Isn't it? You may utter from lower planes with all your emotion, your mental logic, intellect and all that. But that doesn't survive. survive. It has an infant mortality. Nobody bothers. No one bothers. But if a seer talks, it remains in the sky forever. That's why the scriptures, they survive cycles of time because they know how to receive the right impulse, give the right frame of thought, right language and right expression. So you cannot 
from ages the scriptures are remaining. It is because we have learned the science of utterance. <coughs> it is called siksha in Sanskrit, siksha. That is first taught as the key. Because you destroy your energies regularly by your ignorant speeches. It's like making everything very clean and immediately polluting the whole thing. Every morning as you wake up, the nature prepares you like a flower. During the sleep, we are all prepared like flowers. The moment you open your mouth, <laughs> you start mutilating the flower. By the end of the day, it is like a crippled tissue paper, <laughs> isn't it? Why? Because we do not know the, the descent of the word, how to receive it, how to formulate it. In areas you receive it. In Taras you give a beautiful form to it. Same thought can be presented in a very pungent way, and in a very beautiful way that pleases others. Same thought. Clothing the thought with appropriate language is a knowledge by itself. Only then your speeches are magnetic and the people's awareness relate to it and get uplifted. Uplifted. So this is one of the six keys. There are Madhyas, there are Five other keys. All these keys enable you to completely realize. So that is a different section. That's not the theme I am speaking. But since we landed into it, I say that. That's why in Aries it is received, in Taurus it is beautified, in Gemini it is uttered for, through the throat, by a seer. A seer speaks from higher circles. A mundane man speaks from the lower circles. Both use the same throat center. Receiving from higher centers and transmitting into the lower centers enable descent of light and transmission of light. The other is expression of darkness. May it fill the darkness of noise we do. We say that in few minutes from now. So science of utterance. The third throat, where is the utterance? That's why in the schools of the initiates, when you when a when someone is given entry, first his tongue is pulled out. Not literally. <laughs> He must stop speaking. Yes, he did not know how to use the tongue. It should go through transformation. The tongue must go through transformation. So he is asked not to speak for three years. Tongue pulled out. Throat cut like that. 
the fiery tanks it is a, a a beautiful copy from some other system <coughs> is nothing but the descent of the word into you and it is that descending word when it expresses it is so fiery that it causes purification it cannot be a fiery tank cannot be doing a missionary work a fiery tank would not be doing a militant's work the fiery tank only expresses in a magnetic manner the light which is very radiant radiance and magnetization are the qualities of the tongue that that expresses things coming from higher circles some aspect of jiv so that is how we work we we need to relate to jemini not intelligent use of tongue your tongue is the softest thing we have in our body it can be manipulated in any way isn't it but the use of tongue is a great responsibility it's a great responsibility a tongue that hurts others is unworthy of entering anywhere near the field of light that's how the responsibility to the tongue is responsibility of speech is understood by in the higher circles and it is from gemini only we get into the dimension of speech so the five five heroes of mahabharata from there i went into the six dimensions the six keys of veda vyana is one hero udana is another hero samana is one more hero exhalation is one more hero inhalation is another hero five heroes of all of the of the five the most powerful is vyana so there naturally he survives all others do not and your way to brahman what remains with you is vyana prana when you are into the brahman's realm only vyana prana remains other pranas they they get merged into vyana as you descend from vyana you get into again other udana samana apana prana like that it unfolds this kind of unfoldment is a, which is again five the number of gemini helps us to understand so thank you have a pass we get into meditation and tomorrow we continue with some more thoughts it's a way to lift us ourselves for a while and then again fall back <coughs> the fall back and lift up is the work of udana the law of attraction and repulsion so if we continue this class say till 9 o'clock slowly people will disappear from here because there is a the attraction towards wisdom will turn out to be a repulsion towards wisdom isn't it so attraction and repulsion that's why 
we had appropriately closed so that we ensure you are returned into this hall tomorrow and we don't have to ensure you are going into the dining hall because it is automatic for us it is by reflex action just by reflex action we go to our dining room it is by effort we have to come to the prayer hall isn't it let it be so this act of attraction and repulsion people when they think of these laws they think they are some cosmic laws <coughs> somewhere over there they are with us every law is with us every law is so please relax and if possible come back for the prayer <laughs> thank you